has changed in my attitude. WIAM 101.1 FM, The Way. Current events. Personal values. Political and social issues. Technology. Wars and tensions. Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. Peter 4.17 tells us that judgment begins with the church first. So what does that judgment look like, and what does the church even need to be judged for? Pastor Mark will answer those questions, plus answer our listener questions, as we question Russia's growing aggression, the latest Israel-to-Europe connection, and the continued COVID infection, as we look at the signs of the times. Our weekly look at Bible prophecy in the world's news for Friday February 4th, 2022. Our live broadcast will become podcast 201 and the Way Media app or thewaymedia.net will tell you all the ways to listen, share, or subscribe, especially if you're new to our show. We encourage you to learn about uh, us, more about us there rather. And here to help us biblically understand what is going on in our crazy world is Pastor Mark, who has always said a balanced diet is a cookie in each hand. And there's Greg with the mallet of wordsmithing, banging, and the sparks (laughs) flying as the intro. That's right. Yes, a good balanced meal is where you don't fall out of the chair. That's a balanced meal. That's a balanced meal. You stay balanced. You're not leaning too far to either side. Okay. So just keep that in mind. Yes. (laughs) yes. I will keep that in mind. We'll have a balanced meal of prophecy today. That's what we're looking for, right? There you go. Yes. That's right. Something tasty. Always like a balanced meal of prophecy. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Fantastic. All right. We've got lots of good listener questions to get to, Pastor Mark. So let's go ahead and start. Our first question comes from Lauren. Uh, who enjoys Signs of the Times in Virginia. And she says, I am curious about the current eminent possibility of Russia invading Ukraine and China's plans to invade Taiwan. Is this significant in biblical prophecy? I remember you guys talking about it in a previous episode, how eventually the nation directly north of Israel will increase in power as well as to the east. Can you clarify this since Russia's or, or since this Russian invasion is being talked about everywhere? Yeah, and this is a great time to clarify this. Thank you, Lauren. Great question. It definitely does, I believe, play into the last days because the Bible says in Matthew 24, Jesus said, you will see an increase in wars and rumors of wars, and you're going to see it happening at the same time that all these other things are happening, such as a one world government coming together, earthquakes, um, uh, all these other world events. We could go down the list of them, and they're all happening right now at the same time. Uh, exponentially so yes i do believe this is a part of that remember there have always been wars and rumors of wars but his point was you'll see them increase and you'll see them in concert with other things happening around the globe so yes i do believe this has to do with um uh, last days end times but now as far as when you say it relates to israel and to the north that's specifically russia not going into ukraine that's russia going into israel with iran and we'll talk about that more today yeah. so yes russia and iran will be coming from the north and invading israel so the ukraine invasion isn't a isn't directly related to that yet but greg let me add this in here from lauren's question because this is something that's not really in our stack today and i'll mention it briefly and I don't know what the answer is yet, but Ukraine has contacted Israel and said, would you help us militarily if Russia invades us? We want your air support. Mm. We want your, we want you to militarily help us. Now, I'm not saying they would, but if Israel was to militarily fight against Russia with Ukraine, that would give Russia more motivation to say, well, you've done that to us. You know what? Hey, I don't, I'm changing my viewpoint of you, Israel. We'll see. That is very interesting yeah. in light of the fact that I would have just assumed that Ukraine would reach out to NATO. Well, they have reached out to others, but yeah. they, I don't know why specifically they've asked, and maybe maybe they asked many people, and they were just noting that Israel was one of them they asked, because, again, Israel's kind of always in the news no matter what they do, but they're asking specifically for Israeli Air Force help, military Air Force help, should Russia 
invade. And so, so again, that's yeah. Th- this question, multifaceted, it so. definitely means yes. In the last days, we're going to see more wars and rumors of wars. It doesn't directly link yet to from the north yeah. coming down, as Lauren yeah. asked, but it will. So Israel's response to Ukraine is, hey, Ukraine, you think the world hates us now? Just wait until we come and try to help you with our Air Force. Yes, there you go. Again, again, keep all these oh things, are, they're interlinked. I know. Keep your they eyes are. on them. That's why we're here. There are. Okay. Pastor Mark, our next uh, questions, actually, there's multiple here in this one email from Ankana, who enjoys Signs of the Times in Maryville, just south of uh, Knoxville here. Uh, she says, I have a few questions about angels. Angels are mentioned throughout the Bible with their significant roles as Christians. We now have the presence of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us as our helper, comforter, and counselor. In this respect, number one, what are the roles of angels in our lives, or are they even still around us? Yes, so that's the first you want question. To answer them each, yeah, let's, okay, let's do okay. one at a time. Okay. Um, yes, as a matter of fact, that's a great question, and they are still around very much. Very, and again, angels are going to be around forever. And they're certainly around in believers' lives. Um, that's because God uses them in the believer's life. Um, there are different things. The main function, I would say, for an angel, obviously the angels in heaven, they have multiple functions. They're used as God's warriors, uh, God's battlers. There's those that surround the throne, the cherubim. We see that, for example, uh, there's an angel that's specifically appointed to protect Israel. His name is Michael. He's an archangel. We see there's an angel that specifically uh, speaks for God to Israel. That is Gabriel. Now, that doesn't mean they're they're um, necessarily limited to that. But I do want to read a verse for you because to get to your, directly to your question, what is their main role? I would say it's this. Hebrews 1.14 says, are not angels ministering spirits sent forth, that is from God, to minister for those who will inherit salvation? So, again, there's a primary role in heaven, but there's a primary role on earth. So let's look at both. In heaven, they're messengers and warriors of God, and they serve God in that capacity. On earth, God sends them, and this is so cool, God sends them to minister to us. In other words, they protect us. Um, they watch over us. They're interacting in our life. Oftentimes when something happens where we would have died and we know I should be dead. Why didn't the car roll over? Why didn't I fall off that cliff? Why did I live when that happened? It was literally in some cases, an angel stopping you uh, very briefly. When I, when I, before I came to the Lord, God was drawing me in. I totaled my truck, Nashville, Tennessee, part of my testimony. And I remember this was, God knew that I, he, I was already calling out to him. I started a week before that crying out to God. I said, God, if you're really there and you're real, reveal yourself to me. And um, But I wasn't yet committed, but God already knew that I would. There was already apparently an angel that was sent to protect me. And how do I know that? Literally, I can tell you, as I was wrecking my truck and totaling it, I f- and I could hear the glass breaking around me. Uh, th- this is not sensationalism. It's only happened once in my life, but I share it very openly for those who ask. I don't think I've ever shared it on the radio. But I literally he- felt... Two hands push on my chest, hold me down in the car seat, and I felt the hands, the fingers, the hands, everything pushing on my chest as the truck was crashing, as the glass was breaking, the, the truck came to a stop, and then it disappeared. And I, at the time, I was just kind of freaked out about it, and later on I realized that was an angel sent by the Lord to hold me in place. So they are actually used to protect us. They're used to give us messages. The Bible also says that sometimes we entertain them unaware. Mm. We interact with them. I mean, there may be times they come up and ask us a question or whatever. I remember one time another story. We'll take the time to do it. I was in Nashville again, walking to a special uh, meeting that I felt God wanted me to go to. New believer. It was about missions. And I thought I was supposed to be there. I wasn't sure why. I'm walking at nighttime in Nashville to find it. I was totally lost. I was nowhere near the location, but I didn't know that. And I kid you not, Greg, this man showed up out of nowhere, nobody around, middle of the night, totally dead. This guy shows up in the night and goes, and he he starts with this question, are you looking for the blah, blah, blah missions meeting? And I looked at him like, who are you and how could you possibly even know that's what I'm looking for? I wasn't thinking about an angel, and it may not have been, but it may have been. And I said, yes, as a matter of fact, he said, you go like that, a couple buildings down that way, take a roll. He gave me directions. And we weren't near it. And as he, and, I, and I walked, it's one of those classic stories. I started walking, I turned around and looked, he was gone. Now that doesn't mean he, I'm not saying he disappeared. He could have walked around the corner, could have been a normal guy who just left the meeting and habit. This guy's looking for it. So I don't want to over sensationalize, but I've always wondered, was that an angel? And we do know the Bible says that we, we operate with angels oftentimes, even unaware that they're operating with us. And so they minister to God. They minister to us. They're very active in our lives still yet today. Yeah. 
Well, I think uh, through that testimony, Pastor Mark, you've answered her second question. Is there a guardian angel or are they only for kids? Yes, no, I didn't really answer it. I specifically stopped short of that. I, because all I oh, said I think, was, I think you did. All I said, no, I said there are angels that watch us, and there are angels that direct. But are there specific oh, guardian, guardian angels, angels appointed to each person? Gotcha. I think that's what she's asking. Yeah. Ankana, the answer is yes. The Bible says that we have them from birth. Uh, the Bible says that our angels in heaven are standing before God. They know us. They watch over us. The Bible refers to um, angels that watch over us. I do believe, definitely we do as children. I see no reason to think that we don't have those angels, same ones watching over us. I think it would be a very good theologically educated um, um, postulation, if we can use big words, uh, to say that, yes, we do have those guardian angels, and I do believe we're going to see who they are. We're going to know what they did and probably find some pretty amazing facts out when we get into heaven. That'll be pretty fun. Yeah. All right, Pastor Mark, her, her final question here says, um, angels in the Bible are all male. So how come our generation associates angels more on the feminine side? I grew up acknowledging angels as female until I started reading the Bible. Yeah, that is a great question. And let me just say this again. I'll t- first, I'm going to tell you what the Bible says about angels. Then I'll tell you why I think we have the female version of them. There's not one recorded uh, indication that there are any female angels in the entire Bible. You won't find anything that shows even female gender in heaven. There's not one indication of female gender in heaven. There's not one indication of female angels in heaven. So uh, it's not there. It would appear that that I don't know if we're all male in heaven. Uh, this is not some type of sexist statement. I'm just giving you scripture. Um, or whether we're whatever, something different. We know that God is referred to as a he. So the male is the only pronoun used in all of the Bible when it comes to heaven. It is only the male side of things. And when God created man, he made man in his image, and then he made female to be man's helper. So it would appear that the female gender was introduced as women were created, but the males are the only ones that were originally in place in heaven, uh, as we see all the angels. The only angels we see in Scripture, Michael the archangel, Gabriel the archangel, these are men. Has nothing to do with men being greater than women. It's different roles for different times, and that's what the Bible teaches. So, what we can find from the Bible is the angels are male and male only. Now, with that said, where do we get the idea that there are female angels? I think it comes from the fact that women are pretty. And uh, now I could be wrong. I haven't done like a research history on that. I could have looked it up. Where did this come from? There may be somebody that researched something that found out where it came from. So you might do better with Google than you will me today. But we tend to think of, you know, you're such an angel, you know, women being beautiful because angels are beautiful. Mm. So my, my, my gut feeling is it came from just the beauty of women, how beautiful they are physically, the angels, the, you're an angel, you're a beautiful this or whatever. And so there's probably some more behind that. And, and, and I, I didn't even think to look that up. So I just said it live on the air, but I'll check on that. Um, and I think that we even now we say you know to our to our, our wives or our girlfriend you know you're you're, you're an angel you know our, our yeah. children our little, sure. our little girls yeah, yeah, you're an angel yeah. you know we don't tell the boys that yeah. we don't tell the little boys no. say you're an angel you know with the girls because say, they're not an- yes. that's right that's right <laughs> the boys are demons no, i'm just kidding anyway but uh yeah so i think that's probably where it comes from but theologically again what we see is angels are male there's only male spoken of in heaven it's nothing against female it doesn't mean here's the thing ladies when we're all in heaven, whatever we are, we're all going to be the same thing. Well, we'll I was, all be that in heaven. I was just going to bring that up, Pastor Mark, just as a side, a side bonus uh, question, is that when we get to heaven, genders or the difference of gender yeah. is not necessary in heaven because we will not be married to other people that we were married to on earth in heaven right so maybe you can talk about that real quickly yeah. so people can understand that a little yes bit more. well the lord said we're not going to be marrying or given in marriage like the angels of heaven they don't do that either and so right. we're going to be the bride of christ we are the bride of christ and what that means is we're all going to be in some spiritual way married to jesus christ and really you know greg something hit me when we were having communion wednesday night that i never thought of and i think i think it was i think it's it's I believe it was something God was impressing in my heart. Not that I have a new understanding of really what's going on, but I think a deeper understanding in the area. I always was, how could we all be one? Because, you know, it represents us becoming one with Christ. How could we all be one yet all be separate? And it kind of goes back to the whole, um, you know, Holy Spirit, uh, the Trinity issue. How can there be three and yet one? There is, in the spirit realm, there is an ability to be one and yet be separate. We don't fully understand it. We see it in the Trinity. God is one, but there's three very distinct persons, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and they have three very distinct duties and responsibilities and and jobs. Well, you and I are going to be up there, and everybody else is going to be up there that knows him. 
We're all going to be very individual. We're going to have very specific jobs and who we are for eternity. But the Bible says we will all be one together and one bride for Christ. So I think it's going to be the same kind of thing we have with the Trinity. We can't fully understand it yet, but there's going to be a linking in our spirits and our lives and our hearts that goes beyond what we can imagine. Some say, well, I can't imagine being in heaven and not being married to my wife. And some might be saying, I can't be imagining being in heaven and being married to my wife. Heaven's my release. I'm joking, but you get my point. Some people are happy. Some people aren't. Now, with that said, um, I believe we're all going to be somehow inextricably linked together as one and yet separate, and we're going to be married to the Lord as one, and yet it's not going to be in the physical sense we think of today. I think it's going to be a, just a beautiful, amazing, just just connection that we have, and family, yeah. and love, and just, I, I can't even imagine, it's going to be amazing, and so uh, I think we have a lot to look forward to in that as well. So Great. Yes. Great explanation. All right, Pastor Mark, our last question comes from Jason, who enjoys Science of the Times down in Huntsville, Alabama. Yeah. Uh, he says, is there any evidence to support the possibility that the Daniel 927 prophecy regarding the Antichrist confirming a covenant with many for one week is a continuation or a strengthening of the existing Abraham Accords peace agreement? Is it possible that the word many in 927 refers to more than just the people of Israel, like those who are part of the Abraham Accords, that is, the traditional enemies of Israel, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Syria, Egypt, the countries that currently wouldn't allow Israel to rebuild the temple? Assuming the Ezekiel 38-39 war occurs just prior to the revealing of the Antichrist in the seven-year peace covenant, it would provide an excellent context for a peace deal. Yes. What say you? First of all, what a great question. We commented before the show started. We've got people out there who know the Word of God and they know prophecy, and I love it. I They're mean, thinking is, and digging. Yeah, this is not some you know new prophecy student out there, Jason. Very clearly, you're, you're, you're delving in, and God bless you, man. Go for it. Quick answer, yes. It very well could be. Now, let me break this down because this is a pretty in-depth question. And so for our listeners that may be new, what is the 927 prophecy? Again, the Bible says the Antichrist, when he comes on the scene in the last days, will make a deal with Israel and their surrounding and, you know, and others, the world and those around them to make a peace deal with Israel. And so, uh, could it be part of the Abraham Accords? Yes, it could be part of it, but I think it's going to be much more, which you again, uh, indicated even in your question, what you said I agree with. That is the Abraham Accords right now only involves three different uh, uh, people involved in that. Um, and so when you look at the three that are involved in that, I think I know it was Israel, Morocco, and my mind's blank on the other one right now. Who's the other? But when they made the Abraham Accords, it was not a large, expansive agreement, but it was a very significant agreement because of all the enemies of Israel and the way they interact. So yes, those players very well could be a part. The, the, they've already been set in place for that. But yes, I do believe also, to your other part of your question, that it is going to include people like Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Syria, Egypt, and even closer than that, I think it's going to be, and probably more important, Jason, I think it's going to be those right there surrounding Israel. That is, those in Israel, the Palestinians, those right around Israel, be it Gaza, uh, you know, with the Palestinian, where they're fighting over where the demarcation lines will be if there's a two-state solution. The Antichrist is going to come right to the heart of Israel, and everybody there in Israel is going to agree. Here's a peace agreement we all can get along with, and so now we're our next-door neighbors are not fighting each other. Then it's going to expand out from next-door neighbors, Abrahamic Accords, you know, Morocco, etc., and then it's going to be already starting in Saudi Arabia and Jordan. There's already you know semi-peace with them already, semi-peace with Israel, Egypt on paper, not yet really Syria, but yes, it'll start there. It will expand out. It'll just be much more expansive than the Abraham Accords. And will include all those that you said would be there. And it is going to be easier uh, after the Ezekiel 38 and 39 war takes place um, because there's going to be a large contingent of the radical Muslims that will be now no longer on the earth. You're going to see when this war takes place, it's not just Russia. There's a lot of radical Muslims in Russia. There's a lot of radical Muslims in Iran and in Syria and the surrounding region. And when you see these Armies coming together, Greg, and Libya is going to be involved, and Sudan. I mean, these are, there's a lot of Muslims in these areas. They're going to be gathering not just because of some grouping of nations ready to fight Israel, but it's going to be personal. We want to wipe you out because here's our God and there's your God. So you're going to see a large gathering of these people, and then when God judges them and wipes them out, there's going to be a massive contingent of radicals suddenly gone in the Middle East. 
At the same time, a sudden radical removal of the Christians when the rapture takes place sometime right around that. So the church is out of the way. Radical Islam, in large part, at least in that region area, is out of the way. Now this world leader can step on the scene, like you indicated, Jason, and say, you know what? Now's the time for peace. We'll pull these guys in that have already started. We'll get you other guys in. And yes, you're going to have the setting for a peace agreement, and it will take place, and it's going to take place that way, I think, in much way of the way you even asked the question here. Yeah. Great. All right. Uh, if you've got a question, like all these folks did today, we invite you to go to thewaymedia.net and just click on Signs of the Times, and the directions should be self-explanatory. Yes. Okay, Pastor Mark, for the time that we've got left, First Peter 4.17 says, Judgment begins at the house of God. Yeah. Is Peter taught, what kind of judgment is Peter talking about there? What does the church need to be judged for? Yes, that's really what I want to spend the yeah. remaining time talking about here. I really wanted to kind of give, in, in essence, an encouragement and a warning um, to us as the body of Christ. And I'm going to read that scripture, Greg, in First Peter four seventeen. For the time has come for judgment to begin where, at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? That is, it'll start with us, because we're the most accountable. We should know better. We have the Bible. We know about Jesus Christ, all that. And then after us, the rest of the world gets judged by Jesus Christ at his second coming, sheep and the goats, etc. And the reason this is on my heart is what I'm watching happen over the last two years, and we've talked about it briefly before, but I felt I wanted to cover it today, um, is we're watching God refine his church. You know, in the ancient Jewish weddings, when the bride was asked to, uh, actually, when she became betrothed, she became a part of, they, they were legally married, although they didn't consummate the marriage for a year later or so. What she would do, Greg, is once she said yes to the proposal, she would go spend the rest of that year getting ready for her husband. She would go find the finest wedding dress clothing she could. They made their own dresses. she find the finest linen her family could afford. The finest decorations for it they could afford. The father would start putting together the best meal, uh, working on the guest list. What can we afford? What can we do? It was a week-long celebration a year from then. And you had to have a lot of money put aside to be able for all the, you know, the food and the drink and the clothing and all the bridesmaids and all that went with the wedding. We know even today weddings are very expensive. And so you would start getting yourself ready. And then when the, when the groom came suddenly by surprise, you were ready. You were prepared. I believe the process has begun for the church. I really do. I believe it started a couple of years ago with COVID. I believe we are now what we call the time of sorrows, Matthew 24, verse 8, uh, where the Lord says you're going to see this kind of speed up and accentuate faster at the end. Satan knows his time is short. You're going to see a lot of things happening rapidly. We've been watching it with the virus, just the weird things that are happening worldwide. And what I believe you're seeing is God has now begun the process to purify his bride, that is, judgment begins at the house of God, and then after we have been purified, then comes the great tribulation, where the world is then purified and judged for those who don't repent. So it starts with the house of God. It starts with us. And and so this is very significant to me, because what I've watched happen is, and this may be for some people, you may feel controversial, but I think we need to hear it. Over the last two years, there have been a lot of churches that shut down because of COVID. I think God did a lot of that. Now, there may be some people out there going, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that, whatever. No, judgment begins at the house of God. And churches that were not teaching the word of God, that was not, that were not standing on the word of God, that were not truly representing Christ, I believe that the Lord allowed some of those to fizzle, and I believe the Lord actually himself shut some of those down. You read in Revelation, the seven churches, Jesus starts out by saying, if you don't repent, I will remove my candlestick. That means yeah, my spirit my stand, is yeah. out of here. And I believe when COVID hit, a lot of people were challenged. What are you going to do? Are you going to say faithful to God, faithful to the gospel? Are you going to stand firm? And they didn't. And God and God allowed them some to fizzle. And I think God actually closed some down. And some of that process may still be going on right now. However, I also saw this. Many churches became stronger. They grew larger. They got stronger. God began to shore them up. Why? Because they were standing true to the word of God and teaching the word of God. And, and this purifying process, God is separating the wheat from the chaff as you pointed out earlier, Greg, the whole parable about the wheat and the tares. Yeah. Okay? Now, I'm not saying that everybody that wasn't right on target was a tare. Uh, it just, they weren't in line with where they should have been. And here's what God does. All right. It's time to let's snap in order here. It's time to get things going. Does it really come down to, to this basic premise 
having a greater fear of God than a fear of man? Absolutely. And and great, and a greater fear of God means you're going to adhere to the word of God and stay. And here's the thing. My people perish due to a lack of knowledge. Much of the church around the globe will, has not been teaching the word of God. They've been teaching politics or social justice or whatever. And so when the trial comes, they're fading. They can't stand. Now, here yeah. comes my warning because I don't want to run out of time. Okay. As God continues this, here's what's going to happen. And I want to put this out there for all the pastors that are listening, for those in the body of Christ um, here's what I believe God's going to begin to do. God is going to say, all right, look, it's time to, we, God did not call us to be social justice warriors for our people group or any other people group or anything. Number two, God did not call us to be climate change warriors. He didn't call us to that. I'm not talking about legitimate things within any movement that's out there that a Christian could get involved in and work in. That's not my point. I'm saying the we, point of the church, we, the church, we are specifically called by Jesus Christ to be gospel-focused warriors. That is, we are to preach the Word of God, we're to stand on Jesus Christ, we stand on the Word, we preach the Lord, we lead people to the Lord, we feed God's flock, we disciple God's flock, and I'm telling you what's going to happen. As God turns up the heat in the last days, if you are involved in a situation where it's a social gospel or social issues church, God's Spirit's not going to be there. If it's a church where it's a climate change-focused church, God's Spirit's not going to be there. God is going to be with those churches that are teaching Jesus Christ and the Word of God, the soon coming of Christ, the purification of the bride. He's coming back to take over and to rule and reign. That's going to be where God's Spirit's going to rest. The others, I think God will, some of them will fizzle, some of them will close down. And be warned of this now, believers, because we see this in Revelation churches as well. It might be that some of the social justice or some of the climate change churches or woke churches thrive. That doesn't mean God's behind it. That means that you're going to get a lot of support from flesh who's in agreement with your political viewpoint. But God didn't come here to anoint political churches. God didn't come here to anoint social justice churches. God didn't come here to anoint climate change churches. God is in the, is in the business of anointing the pastors and the people of God that are teaching his word. Jesus, if, if you love me, you'll feed my sheep. That's what he said. He didn't yeah. say you'll go. And again, I understand there is a place for the Christian in politics. Yes. There's a place for the Christian in being a good steward. I get all that. My point is, as God purifies, as the judgment, I believe, has begun at the house of God in the last day's process, you're going to see more and more of a separation of the churches that are standing, Greg, on the word of God and not veering from it, and the churches that are teaching social justice and climate change and all that. And God's going to separate them out, and his spirit's going to be evidently on those that are standing with being gospel warriors rather than every other kind of warrior. Well, and if you're a Christian that wants to delve into any of these social causes, it to do so as a Christian, you have to do so with the foundation of the Bible yeah. and the precepts of the Bible. When the Bible says in its totality, so you can answer these issues yeah. from the perspective of God's word and what God's word says about the condition of man or in that situation. Right. That's the only true uh, offering that we as Christians should have because it's the only true solution that comes back to Jesus Christ. That's right. That's exactly right. And again, th- this doesn't mean that we don't love people. Or Absolutely that we don't, we not. Not to be a yeah. good steward with the, the planet or what. It's not the point. That's not the as point. As a Christian, no. you love everyone. The Bible says if you don't love everyone, you're not a true Christian. Uh, matter of fact, in, 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 in first John, first John, it tells us, Greg, that if you don't love your brother, then you don't know God. Uh, but so you're not even saved is what he's saying. If you don't love your brother, that's a real litmus test. But then also God says, yes, we're to be a good steward with the earth, but where Satan is a master at getting us off target and getting the church busy and things where we don't belong is where we jump too much into politics, too much into social justice movements, too much into environmental movements. God did not call us to that. We can support that in whatever ways in certain things when it's, when it, when it promotes the gospel. But we are called to be warriors for the gospel, for Jesus Christ, holding to the word of God, teaching the word of God, preaching the word of God, preaching Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, you're going to see now the wheat separated from the chaff, Greg. We're going to see this more and more. You're going to see churches begin to divide. You're going to see churches empty out. You're going to see Christians moving in different directions. And you're going to see a purified bride. There'll be a church in name that's out there. But the purified bride of Christ, they're going to be loving Jesus, they're going to be loving his word, they're going to be shining, they're going to have the power of the spirit, the anointing, and you're going to see God's hand on his purified bride. Be a part of that purified bride. Stay away from things that pull you away from that. Yeah. Great, Pastor Mark. We can continue talking about that for sure and and any of the other issues that we wanted to get to, but we are out of time for that. But we've got articles in the second half, beginning with Israel 
connecting itself to Europe in other ways, and how will that affect Ezekiel 38 and 39 and Russia's involvement? Uh, That plus other articles as Signs of the Times continues right here on WIAM. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. WIAMLP 101.1 FM, Knoxville. It's Crazy Money Day. Hey, I'm Chuck Bentley with my Money Life from Crown. Have you heard about the Ponzi scheme that swept through Bethel Church in Redding, California? An attendee of the church set up investment companies with his business partner and swindled investors out of $35 million. $35 million. Tight-knit communities like churches present prime opportunities for schemers. They know that church members tend to trust one another, so they intentionally get to know wealthy people in the church and lure them into their deals. Those people pass on the investment opportunity to their friends, and the deception spreads like wildfire. There's a significant difference between being a good steward who invests for future needs and one who's trying to get rich quick. This attitude has several dangerous premises. You get involved with things you don't understand. You make hasty decisions. You suffer significant losses. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Bethel Church should have been better prepared. The same thing happened in 2009 by a different attendee. My hope is that churches will protect their congregations by teaching biblical financial principles and alerting them to these scams. Now, if you or someone you know has been scammed, ask God for help. I've seen him restore victims in remarkable ways. Only he can work all things together for good. Now, debt can make you vulnerable to get-rich-quick schemes. If you're struggling with credit card debt, I recommend Christian Credit Counselors. They can create a debt management plan just for you. For more information, call the Crown Helpline, 800-722-1976, or visit online at crown.org slash ccc. That's crown.org slash ccc. A Moment of Grace with Ed Taylor. Might I say this to those of you that are prone and maybe even in the depths of discouragement? Encouraging times are already yours. God already knows He's going to walk you through the entire situation. You're going to have some stumbling blocks, some setbacks. But when you leave, and ultimately, when is it that we leave? Not the situation, but when we exit these earthly bodies. To be absent from the body is what? To be present with the Lord. Let me tell you something, you're not going to leave empty-handed. What is by faith will be in its fullness when you and I meet Jesus face to face. There's so much more than the temporary discouragement. Go deeper in your love relationship with Jesus as you visit edtaylor.org. Again, we're at edtaylor.org. You've been listening to A Moment of Grace with Ed Taylor. Signs of the Times now continues. Here again is your host. Welcome back, everyone, to the second half of our weekly look at Bible prophecy that we find in the world's news. These are the Signs of the Times for Friday, February 4th, 2022. Along with Pastor Mark Kirk, I'm Greg Hilt. Thanks for staying with us in the second half as we dive into some articles of interest uh, that we find in the past week. And let's uh, get into Israel first. Uh, This is from jpost.com, where it says the EU is committing... uh, 657 million euros as a first step in connecting Israel to the European power grid. That sounds very businessy, Pastor Mark. So what does this have to do with prophecy? Well, let's read some of it, and then we'll tell what it does. The European Union committed again 732 million, I'll put that in American dollars, uh, on Wednesday to connect the electricity networks of Cyprus and Greece as the first step in forming the Euro-Asia Interconnector which will eventually link the power grids of Israel, Cyprus, Greece, and Europe. And if you picture that map in your mind, you see Israel, Cyprus is right off the coast in the Mediterranean, Greece right up above it up there, and then on over into Europe, kind of to the left and up. It says the 898-kilometer undersea line will end uh, the energy isolation 
of Cyprus and allow the transmission of electricity in both directions. The line will reach a maximum sea depth of 3,000 meters, setting a new world record for a project of this kind. Cyprus is the last EU member remaining fully isolated without any electricity or gas interconnections. And again, the Euro-Asia interconnector is set to be 2,000 um, uh, electricity interconnector, 2,000 megawatt electricity interconnector. Uh, which notice notice this will also allow for Israeli gas reserves to be used, uh, as well as from renewable energy sources. That's key. The project is set to provide socio-economic benefits in the range of 10 billion euros, according to the project's website. Construction work is set to begin this year, and note this will be completed in the year 2025, which is always an interesting year to me as we get to what I believe are the last days. I won't extrapolate right now, but <laughs> the announcement of the funding comes. Note this, Greg. Here's what it's saying. Let me, let me say what it is and then say this last paragraph. What it is is we've talked about the energy reserves that energy uh, that Israel now has because of you know, Leviathan, that big gas find they have, and all the coal, the oil rather they have in the Golan Heights. They need to get that uh, exported out to Europe, and so they're building all their pipelines for that. Well, now the EU is giving money to it to so not only go to Europe but to go to Cyprus. They want to include Cyprus and help them build that because Cyprus is a part of the EU, which I didn't know until today. I didn't realize they were a part of the EU. Um, but this is going to get, they want their energy flow for the EU coming back and forth and all the uh, possible avenues of energy, uh, be it gas, be it whatever. And, um, and notice this, when it got approved, this came immediately after the announcement of the funding comes as the U.S. Biden administration informed Israel, Greece, and Cyprus, those three, in recent weeks, here's from our administration, we will no longer support the proposed East Mediterranean natural gas pipeline from Israel to Europe as President Trump's administration had supported. The U.S. Uh, still did express support for the Euro-Asia interconnector, uh, etc. God is doing it anyway. Here's the bottom line. They said, we're not going to support what President Trump was doing and getting the gas on over there. We're not going to get in the way of the Euro-Asia thing, but we're not going to support what Trump was doing. What's interesting about this, Greg, is... When they said, no, we're not going to do it, God says, I'm going to do it anyway, and I'm going to make sure those supplies go there, which is a blessing financially to Israel, and et cetera, back and forth. Now, here's why this is huge prophetically. It's huge prophetically because, remember, Russia is the supplier by far to Europe. They supply Europe of their gas lines, et cetera, of all their you know supply. And, and right now, they're holding it over you know, Europe's head, they're already, you know, you don't do things the way we want, you know, kind of this mafia type thing, you know, you're going to get what you want. Now they can go around Russia, they can go around them, get what they want apart from them. And all this is going to do is create more tension with Israel and Russia, which is all the more reason Russia would want to invade from the north, Ezekiel 38 and 39, to come down to seize that supply coming out of Israel so they can dominate the gas supplies, natural and otherwise, going into Europe. So this is huge. This turns up the pressure on Russia. This makes the uh, It makes it more real about the stuff being transported back and forth. And at the same time, Greg, which is not in our stack, Israel is also uh, now using an old uh, Middle Eastern pipeline from Israel down to Egypt that comes back up through the um, uh, Sinai, back up through Israel, back up through uh, Syria, and all the way up to Lebanon to supply uh, gas and oil for Lebanon up there above them. Even their enemies in Lebanon, that if they don't like them, they're supplying their electricity for them. So now Israel has this pipeline up to Lebanon, down to Egypt, and all the way up to Lebanon through Syria. And they also have now the gas lines going all the way over to Europe. They're becoming a major energy distributor for the entire Middle East and beyond. This cuts a big chunk out of Russia's take. This is going to get Russia more involved. It's got to be stopped. I don't know if they're thinking already. We've got to go in and, and seize these you know, assets or whatever. you know. But the bottom line is, Greg, that's why this is so huge. So there's a keep your eye on this. This could be a huge tension builder leading up to Ezekiel 38 and 39. All right. Well, Pastor Mark, one of the things that we've kept our eyes on in the past has been the uh, beast uh, uh, statue that was put before the United Nations. And now we see that the sculpture, which some liken to the end times beast described in the Bible, has now been removed from the United Nations. It's very interesting. Again, the article, it says that it was removed. It's a Mexican god, if you will. It was honor of Mexico. And it says they removed it because it was only temporary anyway. 
Uh, end quote. According hmm. to their article, it was only temporary. And you know, here's what's interesting. Maybe it really was only temporary, but it's interesting to me that right after there was this whole worldwide uproar about saying, man, this thing looks like one of the creatures out of, you know, the Bible, you know, yeah. and it wasn't exactly people kind of stretched it a little to make it fit that, but it definitely looked like some of the imagery that you see in Daniel and Revelation, and they got all this uproar, and they said, guys, everybody relax. It's a temporary statue. It's to honor Mexico and to honor this whole thing, whatever. We're taking it down, so now they've taken it down. Um, but it is interesting to see this thing go up and come back down because it, I do believe the spirit of Antichrist you know, very well could be kind of an open visual of the beast that is to come down the road. So definitely a story of interest. And now if you go to the U.N., after hearing us talk about it on the show, and it's not there, you'll know why it's gone, because we told you why it's been removed. <laughs> there you go. All right, our next article, Pastor Mark, uh, comes from the BBC, where we see Russia and Ukraine tensions as powers clash at the U.N. Security Council. Again, wars and rumors of wars. We've talked about this already, but it's in our stack. Let's touch on this. There have been angry clashes between Russian and U.S. envoys. At the U.N. Uh, Secretary uh, Security Council, rather, after the U.S. called a meeting to discuss Moscow's troop buildup on its borders with Ukraine. U.S. Ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield said the mobilization was the biggest Europe had seen in decades. Her Russian counterpart accused the U.S. of fomenting hysteria and unacceptable interference in Russian affairs. The U.S. and U.K. have promised further sanctions if Russia invades Ukraine, and the Secretary Liz Truss a foreign secretary of UK said legislation was being prepared, which would target a wider range of individuals and businesses close to the Kremlin that is currently possible, um, which is interesting. There's, you know, it's going to affect more than it's currently possible. So expanding it to reach more, affect more of their official leaders in Russia. A U.S. official said Washington's sanctions meant individuals close to the Kremlin would be cut off from the international financial system. Russia has placed an estimated 100,000 troops tanks, artillery, and missile near Ukraine frontiers. Now, we talked about some of the tensions with Russia and Ukraine. I do want to add to this. Again, now you're seeing, of course, America in these tensions, because for whatever reason, um, we're really involved in this. I, I, they're not really a, I don't know that Ukraine's a, Ukraine is not a NATO ally. Uh, they're trying to become a NATO ally, but that never happened. So we don't have an obligation to them, and I'm not saying that in a cold sense, like we shouldn't help those that are in need. The point is, you know, you don't typically jump into every different battle and try to do what you can because you're limited. There's only so many battles you can fight as a country and defend others. So I don't know for sure what our motivation being involved in this is, but it is increasing more uh, tensions between us and Russia. We talk about wars and rumors of wars, increased tensions, etc., and it's interesting, Greg, when you look at the map of what they brought in now, it's over 100,000. I think they're saying maybe up to 120,000. They've not just come into the one area they were in. Russia now is expanding their reach a little farther around the edge, the top of Ukraine. They're spreading more of their forces out, which makes it look all the more like they really plan on going in. And there's certain areas they can't go yet because America's kind of holding them back, and they're trying to get America out of the way, and that's where the tensions are coming from. And why do I bring all that up? Not just the tensions with U.S. and Ukraine and Russia and all that's happening there and other nations being involved with wars and rumors of wars in the last days. But again, um, you know, Ukraine is in that direct path from Russia coming on down into Israel. Now, they can go around it. They've got Crimea. They can go there and use those ports. If they get all of Ukraine, they have more water ports they can use if they come and bring battle against Israel. But taking over Ukraine, um, I know they've said they want to do it as a Russian country because they're trying to uh, reunite Mother Russia, you know, and this kind of thing. But when it fell apart uh, back in the, uh, was it the 90s it fell apart? 80s. 80s, okay, 80s. Anyway, so they're trying to bring it back together. But there also is, they don't have to conquer this to move against Israel. But, Greg, if they were to take Ukraine, it does make it a lot easier to move all those forces right down there closer to Israel have that launch with some ports right there to go right on down toward Israel and, and to advance on them to attack them from that region. So whether they realize it or not, this does open up some further avenues to be able to attack Israel when the time comes. We'll see what happens. Again, keep your eye on this one because it's, um, again, is it is it a war? Is it a rumor of war? We don't know, but... Um, well, yeah, I mean, is it, and when Russia's involved, is it always helping Ezekiel 38 and 39 as well? So you've right. got one event that could be affecting more than one end times prophecy. That's right. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk about the uh, smorgasbord that only the Grinch would like, pestilence, plagues, disasters, and corruption. 
Our first story, Pastor Mark, comes from foxweather.com. Magnitude 4.5 earthquake felt across 178 zip codes along the Oklahoma Kansas border. First things first, are you saying you don't like the Grinch? <laughs> now you know better than I know, that. that's right. You're a big fan of the Grinch, you really are. You have your Grinch thing up each year. Yes. No, I just wanted to, for, for our listeners to know yes. he's not, he's not bad mouthing the Grinch here. No, uh, you not know, at so, all. Anyway, not and he ends up being a pretty good he, guy. That's, that's yeah, why I like yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Anyway, yes. Again, what do we talk about? Again, in the last days, we're going to see more and more of these events happening at the same time. It goes back to the question we had earlier, and that is, you know, what about all these national things happening and and these wars? Is that a sign of the last days? Well, part of that, it says also, uh, the Bible tells us that the earth is going to be groaning. In in Romans chapter 8, it says, in the last days, the earth, creation, will be groaning uh, for the coming of the Lord. You're going to see more earthquakes. You're going to see more volcanoes. Uh, there was another volcano that just erupted after this. We had this big one in the ocean in the Pacific that, that blew up that we saw in satellite pictures was major. Now another one has just erupted. Now we're seeing more earthquakes. All these things are tied together. Exactly what the Lord said would happen. You'll see more and more of it getting larger and larger, uh, more often in the last days. Again, the Oklahoma uh, Corporation Commission's induced size, seismicity, I like that word, department, is investigating the earthquake. A magnitude 4.5 earthquake was felt across Oklahoma, Kansas stateliness Monday morning with multiple reports of buildings shaking as far as as, as far away as Kansas City. The U.S. Geological Survey reported the quake happened about 11.10 a.m. Central Time. According to the USGS, the epicenter was about 4.5 miles northwest of Medford, Oklahoma. Uh, initial ratings put the quake at a magnitude of 4.6 which would have been the 12th strongest on record for Oklahoma. But the USGS came in and ruined it all. Later revised I'm kidding. Of course, you want it to be smaller. Later revised the rating to 4.5, still making it the state's strongest since 2019. But the point is, you're seeing earthquakes now. And a great, we, we never even really covered the, the little smattering of earthquakes that we had here a few weeks ago over in South Carolina. They're happening all around us. They're happening more frequently. We're getting larger ones. This is another sign in cluster of the last days. Well, another eye-opening, too. Most people just associate, especially in the United States, where earthquakes only happen in California. Uh, but that's not true. There's faults all over the U.S. when it comes to earthquakes. So. Yes, yes. It's more than their fault. There's, Yeah, I was going to say there's plenty of fault to go around. <laughs> okay, so boom. anyway, we can go on. All right. Never yes, mind. Okay. All right. Uh, Israel National <laughs> News. Pfizer is asking the FDA to approve... Uh, the use of their vaccine for children basically from birth to five years old. Yeah, and and again, before I even read this, I know that I've made myself clear on this, and I know that I could even take some heat from it, but moms and dads, I, I wouldn't vaccinate my kids. There's just no reason to do it. Um, again, there, we know that, um, kids are fine. They're not, they're not, they're not dying from this. Uh, it's like a, basically a cold to a kid. And there's a tiny, tiny portion of deaths across the world because of those that already have what they call the comorbidities. That is, there's yes. something that already makes them more susceptible to die. I understand that. You want to watch after your children. Uh, but again, it's, it's crazy to me. For it, it almost looks totally financially motivated at this point on the best case scenario, and I won't even go into the worst case. But the bottom line is, our kids don't need the vaccines. They're, the 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 consequences now from the vaccines are becoming more and more evident. And in children, they're having all kinds of problems. You know, with the, we talk about myocarditis, yes. we're talking about pericarditis. We're now seeing that it's killing some of the eggs and the ovaries of girls, which affects their fertility. There's all kinds of issues, and males as well. Um, obviously, not eggs in males, but the point is, there's all kinds of side effects. So, moms and dads, do your homework, do your research. Don't believe me or anyone else you hear on the radio. You go out there. Look at the statistics yourself. If you do your homework, you can find it. But my heart as a pastor is to say we need to protect our children, and I think this is not protecting our children. Let me read some of this. Pfizer Biotech expected to request emergency use authorization for two doses of COVID-19 vaccine for children six months to five years. By the way, Greg, notice this. Emergency use, which means it's not even been approved yet by the FDA. It's not even been tested on our children, and the children are the test. Just know that, Mom and Dad, they are the test. And apart from that, also note this, it's the two doses that are specifically engineered for COVID-19, the original alpha strand that came out of China. It's not even around anymore. It is now the Omicron strand. We went from the initial strand to the Delta, and now we're at Omicron. This shot is not even designed for Omicron. It does nothing for Omicron. It doesn't help at all. And it's frustrating to me they want to give our kids these shots that do nothing for whatever's out there. And all, all 
it can do is have bad results. I get emotional about it because it bothers me greatly. Pfizer and BioNTech are expected to submit a request to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration for emergency use authorization for the COVID-19. Six months uh, to five. The request may be submitted as early as Tuesday. The Washington Post reported if approved, the vaccine would be only approved for use in infants. Um the only one approved, rather, for use in infants. One of those people told the Post, we know that two doses isn't enough. I would say it doesn't do anything now because we don't even have that, that strand around. He says, and we get that. But the idea is, let's go ahead and start to review the, uh, the two doses. If the data holds up in the submission, you could start the kids on the primary baseline months earlier if you don't do anything until the third dose data comes in. This is madness. And, and again, I, I, I realize it's not a popular message what I'm saying, but I've got to stand before God and give account. I have to say, this is wrong. Do your homeworks, mom and dad. Something is going on here. It, why are we pushing this on those who don't need it? Something is not right. And that's, I'm going to leave it at that for now. Data on the third dose for children ages two to five is not expected to become available before late March. Children in that age group, unlike their younger peers, ages six months to two years, did not generate a sufficient immune response to two doses um, of the baby size three microgram dose. Um, enough said on that. Yep. It's not needed. Don't go there, moms and dads. Um, I'm not. This has nothing to do with being anti-vaccine. This has to do with this particular product is not needed for our children. So to give it to them, to take a chance of the multiple side effects we're now seeing, to me, it's just not well-balanced thinking. Do your own homework, get online, do your research, and you'll come to the same conclusion. Speaking of things that are no longer needed, Pastor Mark, the Washington Times is informing us that lockdowns have had little or no impact on COVID-19 deaths, this according to a new study. Is this not frustrating? And by the way, we're going to get into this. This is done by John Hopkins. This is no small side thing. This is something everyone accepts, John Hopkins studies, both sides of the aisle, if you want to talk politically or wherever else you want to go. This is not a, 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 a controversy between conservative, liberal, anybody, whatever way. And, and this is amazing to me. After all that's been done, they're saying the lockdowns did nothing. And now they're talking about future lockdowns. If it happens again, we'll have to lock down this and that. We now know they do nothing. It did way more harm. Let's learn from this, America. Let's learn from this world. Lockdowns in the U.S. and Europe had little or no impact in reducing deaths from COVID-19, according to a new analysis by the researchers at John Hopkins University, one of the top medical researching facilities in the world. The lockdowns during the early phase of the pandemic in 2020 reduced COVID-19 mortality about 0.2%, according to their, basically nothing. It doesn't even show up on the scale. We find, and and I quote, we find no evidence that lockdowns, school closures, border closures, limiting gatherings, again, limiting gatherings, church meetings, et cetera, no evidence that there's any noticeable effect on COVID-19 mortality or death, which is, again, mortality is death. But the research paper said lockdowns did have some effect. It was devastating effects, mm-hmm. end quote, on the economy and on numerous social ills. Mental health. And I quote, they have contributed to read here. Lockdowns have contributed, quoting now from John Hopkins, to reducing economic activity, raising unemployment, reducing schooling and education, causing political unrest, contributing to domestic violence, and undermining liberal democracy. You talk about the Grinch. He sounds like he's behind this before his conversion. (laughs) Yes. Such a standard, they said, they went on, such a standard benefit cost calculation leads to a strong conclusion. Stop. Here's the conclusion. And I quote, lockdowns should be rejected out of hand as a pandemic policy instrument john hopkins medical internationally accepted and approved university study concluded Uh, our next article and our last article pastor mark comes from israel national news and has to do with israel and israel we've always uh, known uh, god has really blessed them with some really smart people Uh, but when it comes to covid19 and the use of the vaccine it's really kind of backfired in terms of their intelligence. Yeah. And this uh, latest um, uh, story comes to us to say that 
of the serious COVID cases that are in the hospital are are those that have been fully vaccinated. Yes, that's exactly right. What is happening here, we're seeing that um, it's now gone to what they call negative efficacy on the shots. The more shots you get, the more... The worse it is. The, wor- the more possibility of you the, catching you're the virus. Yes. yes, it's actually Or making, it's manufacturing the virus within it, you, it's really. It's making it worse, and now we have the evidence proving that coming out of Israel... It's not a, a pandemic of the unvaccinated. What we're seeing is, no, it's the vaccinated that are having the hardest time now, um, according to this study coming out of Israel. Notice this. It says it has vaccine has no significance regarding severe illness, said Professor Yaakov Jaris. Are Israeli hospitals really overloaded with unvaccinated COVID patients? According to Professor Yaakov Jaris, director of the Israel Ishlelov Hospital's coronavirus ward, the situation is exactly the opposite. And I quote, and by the way, remember, Israel has, has, has had more vaccinations than anyone in the world, Greg. They've, they've had four now. I they, think between them and the island of Malta, I think, are the most. Is that right? Yeah, in Malta, think, have they had so. four? Have they had well, I, I don't know, but okay. I know in terms, of, in terms of the requirement of everyone's vaccinated, okay. I think those are two of the countries that okay. have been the most. So, yeah. But Israel, again, has one of the largest in the world, if not at the world's top. Yeah. They now have, have had four with two boosters, if you will. And I quote, the doctor said, according to their stats over there, right now, most of our severe cases are vaccinated. Again, it goes directly against what we're hearing here in the States. You, you wonder what's going on. Um, they had at least three injections. Between 70 and 80% of the serious cases are vaccinated so the vaccine he said has no significance regarding severe illness which is which is why just 20 to 25 percent of our patients are unvaccinated the the point is we're now seeing the numbers coming in to show that getting more vaccinations does not help this it's actually making it worse greg i wish i could show our listeners the chart if i thought about it because i know we can do that now for you guys watching online but again, a chart that I saw yesterday, the newest stats out of Israel, they were showing the worldwide um, sickness with infection right now, and they showed the curve, and the largest curve worldwide on this chart per 100,000, and there it was listed on the chart, and the guy that was showing the chart said, now, I'm going to show you where Israel is. He said, he said, they've had more injections than anyone. He said, here's where Israel is, and the line went up and went off the paper, and he went and got a lift, and he got on the lift and went up about 10 feet. And marked it up here and said, it is 10,000 per 100,000 now of people that have been vaccinated and sick in Israel. They are, they are leading the world exponentially in infections, and they lead the world exponentially in vaccinations. Now, we have to sit back and go, all right, the evidence is in. We need to reevaluate. It's time to reevaluate what we're doing and to look at this thing with fresh eyes and fresh minds, and get away from politics, and get away from emotions, and get away from conservative liberal. We just sit and say, whoa, 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 whoa. What are these numbers coming out of Israel? And what are the numbers we're seeing now here and other places around the world? And say, where do we go from here? This is a, it's a huge situation. I think we need to learn from this uh, greatly, and I think we need to move on it quickly. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, anyway, yeah. I, again, that's a, a great way to, um, you know, to, to end today talking about that because that's the way it reminds us, let's be praying for the nation of Israel. The Bible says pray for the peace of Jerusalem, pray for the nation yeah. of Israel. And again, we need to be praying for our nation and our leaders as well. I think we've become so blinded, Greg, by everyone's opinions and ideology and emotions and politics that even within the church, it's getting hard for people to see just the plain truth. It's amazing. You can put a chart out with the facts and the truth and show it, and people could still disagree with it. That shows you how far we've become based on letting our emotions lead us. We have got to lay our emotions down. We've got to get back to really looking at the numbers uh, and, 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 and come to some kind of honest conclusion about where we are in the world as far as this situation. But it really kind of ties back into where we started the show today, Greg, and that is within the church. Judgment begins at the mm. house of God. I challenge us as a church to step back, look at the church, not just in this situation, really apart from that situation, and look at where is the church today? Where are we in light of what God has called us to do and us to be as a church and the where the church is involved? Our time is running out, guys. We have only a short amount of time to preach the gospel. We've only got a short amount of time to get people in the kingdom. We may win the greatest social justice fight in world history. We may save more trees than anybody ever imagined and make the water cleaner than anybody in our neighborhood. But if they all die and go to hell, we have done nothing. Our goal is to get them into heaven. 
God will take care of the environment. God will take care of man's politics. We should be about our Father's business and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well said, Pastor Mark. We're going to leave it on that note. And thank you, folks, for listening. Don't forget thewaymedia.net, where you can not only enjoy everything Signs of the Times related, but other content as well, including our 24-7 radio station, WIAM The Way, at thewaymedia.net. Have yourselves a great weekend. Send in those prophecy questions. Keep watching the news and keep watching Jesus and his word through your daily reading and prayer. We love you guys, and we'll see you back here next Friday at 1.30. loved. It's not just a slogan on a billboard. Words hard to believe. The right thing to say. God said people would know Christians by their love. He also said he is love. So no matter how you look at it, you are loved. If you just don't feel like loving others, remember love wasn't a suggestion. It was God's greatest rule. Love does its best for others, even when you don't feel like it. You can love. WIAM 101.1 FM, The Way. If I believed when you looked at me, there was no judgment. Wish I was convinced your love is on a mission, and I am the target.